morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Business Book Podcast. Our guest today is Jane Friedman, and Jane occupies a, a unique space in the publishing industry. So, so many of of our guests have been um, subject matter experts in particular niches. Jane is, I guess, she kind of sits at a at a confluence of of so many different. Um, so many different roles and so many different aspects of, of the industry. And because of that, I thought that she would be the perfect person to, to bring on to talk about um, what publishing looks like today from kind of a 30,000-foot view. So someone to help us navigate the, the waters of, of what's going on in the industry and, and what authors uh, need to know um, today as they, as they jump into, into the, these turbulent waters um, headfirst. Um, so Jane is, um, I mean, she writes for Publishers Weekly, which is the the, the, the trade journal really for uh, for the publishing industry. Um, her book, the the business of, of being a writer, is is coming out uh, March of, of 2018. She is in she's all over the place. The the Book Expo in America, the Digital Book World, um, the Frankfurt uh, Book Fair, which is the largest book fair on that side of the uh, uh the Atlantic Ocean. So she's uh, she's kind of everywhere and um and knows basically everything. Jane, thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure, Derek. Thank you. So I'm just gonna give you the floor, Jane. Tell us what does publishing look like um here at the uh, right at the cusp of, of twenty eighteen. Well I think it depends on from what angle you are approaching it from. So in today's market, there are generally two predominant angles. There's the traditional publishing angle and then the independent author angle. And I know typically people like to talk about the print digital divide, and we can talk about that too. But I think what is probably more important from an author's perspective is whether or not you want to approach publishing in partnership with a traditional publisher, or if it's something that you're going to approach from the more entrepreneurial perspective, something that you're prepared to take on as a business. And if you're already in business, then you're well aware of everything that has to go into that in order to have a successful launch and product. So it can be intimidating to do that by yourself. And so there, I still think there's a strong role for traditional publishers to play in reaching the market. I think the biggest thing that has changed uh, in the last 15 to 20 years is how books get sold, which is what has created basically the two paths to publication, the traditional and and the independent paths. So because so many books now get sold online through Amazon, that really levels the playing field in terms of the power and the leverage and the reach that you have to your readership or your potential readership. Basically, bottom line, anyone, doesn't matter who you are, um, how big your business is, how good the book is, anyone can get on Amazon and start selling their book tomorrow. Uh, Of course, the big question is, how will anyone know that book exists? So traditional publishers tackle that in a very different way, uh, getting people to know a book exists. They tackle that very differently than an independent author. 
certainly there's lots of overlap in terms of marketing and publicity from both a traditional publisher's perspective and, and an independent author's perspective. But each is working the system in very different ways because traditional publishers still are focused on pushing print and whether that's a print copy sold through Amazon or a print copy sold through a bookstore, while independent authors more typically are pushing digital. So ebooks and other forms of digital media that might complement the book and might also actually be the profit center for that book. So I know business authors will often put a book out more as a business card rather than a profit center, uh, and then use that book to get speaking engagements or clients or consulting gigs, and that's where the money comes from. So kind of summarize that really um, broad intro, I would say you, you have to know going in to book publication what it is you're wanting to get out of it. What is the very specific goal that you're trying to achieve? Because traditional publishing will often help you achieve something very different than an independently published book. And you have to know what it is that you want out of the experience. I think that that's a, that's a great point that so many, excuse me, so many authors start with the, uh, the idea of, of wanting to, to have a book. I mean, that's why they're, they're even looking at all of their options in, in the first place. The true point is that even before thinking about the, the the product, if you will, the end result, is that you have to think about the why in the first place. Mm. So what what yeah. are you doing um, with this book? Why are you putting it together? And that is going to determine so many of the 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 dominoes that fall after that, if you will. Precisely. So, um, can you, for 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 the the authors who are, for the authors who are are somewhat un, unsure, um, or they they're just beginning to kind of of look at these two these two paths and, and weighing them, can you give kind of uh, the the pros and, and cons, or basically the 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 advantages and the as well as the pitfalls to watch out for? on these two paths of traditional versus self or indie? So traditional publishing, I, I find most people I meet are more interested in that than they are in self-publishing for a variety of reasons. So there's still a lot of prestige associated with working with traditional publishers for both good reasons and bad reasons. And so what I often end up telling people is, rather more than the pros and cons of traditional publishing, here are more like the requirements if you're going to go down that path if you, <laughs> if you want to get a deal. So, That's a great way to put it. I would say the requirements are that you, if we're talking about a New York publisher, they're looking for you to have a platform. And a platform is just uh, I know it, it can be a really confusing term because people use it in different ways, but it's basically your ability to sell books because of who you are or who you already reach without the publisher's help or influence. So the publisher's looking for a very, uh, well, publishers are very risk averse. And so they're looking for authors who will help mitigate that risk by virtue of their own marketing and publicity muscle. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about platform. You may have a tremendous book idea, something that's groundbreaking. You might be a fabulous writer, but ultimately publishers aren't going to be interested in your book unless they can see that you're going to reach the audience for it. 
if you're looking to the book publisher to reach the audience for you, you've got it turned around. You're supposed to bring the audience to the publisher. So that then raises the question of what exactly is a publisher for if they're not there to <laughs> make the book known? And that's where we get into the cons of traditional publishing, which is, you know, a lot of the marketing and promotion burden is on you. But that would be the same case with self-publishing anyway. It's just that the tr traditional publisher is much better able to amplify and spread the word and also get your book into channels that would be very difficult for you to reach yourself. So as an example, you wouldn't be able to walk up to the Barnes & Noble buyer, the business shelf, and pitch your book. It's just not possible unless you know people in high places. However, a traditional publisher does that on a regular basis, and they can ensure to some degree that your book's going to be distributed nationwide. Otherwise, they would not take on your book if they didn't have that expectation. So that's the huge value there, like getting doors to open into distribution channels, particularly print and bricks and mortar distribution channels. And then there's also the whole um, getting taken seriously by the media because you have a traditional publisher, although you can easily clear that hurdle on your own uh, if you're approaching more narrow reviewers and publications. But if we're talking about like the New York Times or, you know, really major publications in the business world, Wall Street Journal, uh, Fortune Magazine, Forbes, Financial Times, you know, all of the heavy hitters, you know, they just don't have the time or the bandwidth to look at self-published books unless your name is already known to them, your known quantity somehow. So traditional publishers can, can help open those doors, and I think that's the biggest, uh, one of the biggest pros. Am I, am I making this, this up, or, or do I recall that it's just been here in the past six or, or seven months that the need that couldn't have been couldn't have been the New York Times. Maybe it was Nielsen Bookscan just started including um, indie ebooks in their um, in their survey of, of or including it in in units uh, sold here in the, the U.S. Basically, actually acknowledging independent ebooks um, as part of the the publishing industry versus the um, the, the redheaded stepchild that it's been for mm -hmm. over a decade. Well, I, I I don't know which news development you might be referring to, but I do know the New York Times has actually drawn back on the bestseller lists that used to favor self-published authors, but that mainly had to do with the fiction realm um, more so than nonfiction, because they used to have a lot of dedicated ebook bestseller lists that they stopped doing. And since self-published authors primarily sell on digital, that was a huge blow to that community. Um, but it is, you know, I, I think traditional publishers see the value and they see um, they see that there's a lot of self-publishing activity that's valid, but they're not concerned with it for the most part in most categories. Now, there are some exceptions to that, and they mainly apply to fiction, but they just see themselves as focused on a different part of the market. They're very concerned with the print market and the bookstore market. And then the self-publishers are seen to be chasing a very different type of reader in a very different space. Uh, so if, let's say you are a self-published author or you're considering self-publishing, trying to decide between the two, 
you have to be extremely prepared to pull out all the stops when it comes to online and digital marketing. Um, this is where traditional publishers don't, they don't fixate on this um, because they're fixated on print. Uh, but if you're going to be independent, you're going to have to get really comfortable with the marketing and promotion tools available to you online, whether that's through social media advertising, different types of content marketing, um, being able to reach out to influencers who are online, people who run podcasts like yourself or well-known blogs or YouTube channels. You have to get on these people's radar uh, in order to market your book. In addition to uh, being able to run price promotions, do giveaways and discounts through retailers like Amazon to help improve your sales ranking, uh, get more visibility through Amazon's algorithms and other retailer algorithms to help gain some momentum behind your book. There, you know, we could easily spend six hours talking about all of the, you know, the levers that are pushed and the, and the buttons that blink when you're trying to get that sales ranking to go up. Um, but by far, I think the biggest tool that gets used by self-publishers is the giveaway, you know, making something free or extremely cheap. And this is where I think traditional publishers can tend to look down on the self-published end of, of the industry because what they see is just relentless discounting and that maybe indicates a less quality product. Um, and of course, self-publishers too are, are wary of using that as a strategy too frequently because it does tend to um, create an expectation among some readers that they're going to get something that doesn't extend beyond a certain price point. Um, and I'm probably everyone's aware of when you go shopping online for eBooks, uh, there's a huge price differential between what a traditional publisher will charge for the eBook and what an author will charge. You know, it's often a 10 to $15 price differential. So that, that, you know, we have this very weird segmenting of the market where we have two, two different value plays um, and so if you're going to self-publish, you have to be aware of, of that kind of, that, that expectation that's in that market. You know, Jane, I, I never, I never quite saw it in, in black and white, or I guess heard it since we're, uh, since we're talking. Um, the, the, and at the very beginning of the interview, you talked about the, or you referenced the, the divide between print and digital. And then said, but the the real um, divide is more between traditional and, and indie. But it it never really struck me that um, that the traditional publishers that they they are really what they're doing is is focused on the the physical books. They're focused on the the product, um, which is how do we create these books and and sell as many as we can. It's a it's a commodity business, a, a volume business, mm -hmm. versus. Um, Indie authors who usually don't have the um, the, the money to to um, print uh, books and, and to do it right to have the the cover and to do the typesetting and to do everything that you need to do in order to create um, a print ready book and then actually print them and then the distribution which is uh, one of the major uh, as you said one of the major advantages that traditional publishers bring that they can get your book into um, books a million and, and Barnes and Nobles and uh, indie bookstores and airports uh, across the mm -hmm. the country. Whereas if you're a, an indie author, even if you um, do uh, print on demand or you do a print run and have you know five thousand books sitting in your garage, 
you're still facing an uphill battle trying to get those books into um, into retailers. Um, right. And so it just makes a lot more sense, and it's just a lot easier for the, the indie authors to go um, to go the, the digital route. I never yes. – it's just never struck me just how – yeah, it's not that they're it's not even that they're going after two different they're going after the same reader. They're going after two different um product types. One is selling digital primarily and one is selling um print primarily. Yeah. Yeah, and the other twist on this which is who knows how this is going to play out, but um you know, publishers have kept ebook prices high which pushes more people to buy print because, you know, why would you buy an ebook for $12 when you can get the print for 10 or 12, which that's Amazon's making that happen through their <laughs> discounting on print. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, let's put aside the fact that this just puts more power in Amazon's hands. And in the long run, that's not going to be great for the publishers, but for now it preserves the print market for traditional publishing houses. And that's why you see all these news articles about print is back. Well, pricing has a has a role to play in that, and it's still playing out. So, on the, and then look at the flip side of that for the self-published authors, where they are largely if if there's um, there's so much disagreement on this, but uh, so many authors will go all exclusive with Amazon, which means they'll be enrolling in the program called Kindle Unlimited. And Kindle Unlimited is the $10 a month ebook subscription service, like an all-you-can-read buffet. And no matter how many books you read, you pay the same amount as a reader, 10 bucks. And so for the authors who are enrolled in this program and exclusive to Amazon, they're not getting paid uh, on a uh, sales basis, they're getting paid on a per page basis. So if a reader reads a single page, they'll get paid like less than half a cent for that page. But if the reader reads the entire book, they'll probably end up somewhere along the lines of what would be the equivalent of a sale, depending on how they price that ebook outside of Kindle Unlimited. Hmm. But the point, the larger point here is that so many authors are effectively giving their work away for free yeah. uh, in, in ebook form and then taking a, uh, a payment from Amazon and no one's quite sure in the long term what that does to um, the pricing um, earnings because Amazon isn't revealing, as this is very classic Amazon behavior, then they're not really revealing the number of people in this program, readers in the program. They're not revealing how many pages are read. And in fact, they're paying retroactively uh, for the pages read. So it's just the, it's the one of the strangest things I think in publishing. Um, well, it's, partly it because, seems like it's basically. Oh, go ahead, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no, I, I was just going to add that traditional publishers will not play that game. They do not put their titles in Kindle Unlimited. So Kindle Unlimited is populated with a mix of the self-published authors and then Amazon's own titles, and so it's a very as I said, strange dynamic that's playing out. It sounds like it's almost uh, um, Pandora for uh, for ebooks, right? With Pandora, you uh, you can listen to as many songs as you want to, um, and Pandora mm -hmm. pays 
you know, a, a few pennies, if, if that, um, right. for each for each song. Um, right. Now imagine if you were in uh, if with Pandora, there's a set amount that they're paying. So there's some I don't want to say a guarantee because certainly they can change their terms. I would imagine, or the contracts can be rene- renegotiated. But in Amazon, you have no guarantee what they're going to pay. You're just kind of yeah. going on faith that they're going to calculate it in a way that isn't disastrous for you. <laughs> yeah, but and I guess the the allure of of that is is authors would rather have something over over nothing, and then um, there's the chance that uh, they'll be able to follow. But um, my approach to to business, Jane, has always been that I. I can do a better job of watching out for my own self-interest than anyone else can. So if I really wanted to build a, a business off of, of selling books, it's not a really good business model to give up that control to someone else and, and hope that um, that they'll do what's in your best interest. Right. Yeah, the publisher is always going to act in their interest. No question. So you're absolutely right. And you have to be prepared for that going in. Although I have to say, generally, what's good for the publisher is good for the author. If no, they, I mean, they no, both no. have, have. Oh, no, I was speaking about about Amazon. Yeah, for the oh, for the okay. publisher, at least you're. Yeah, for the pub with a publisher, at least your interests are aligned, right? They make money off of off of sales of, of your of your book. That's one thing. But with Amazon, like you said, it's you're going in blind. And you just have to have blind faith. That's that's what I was speaking to. Yes, yes, you do. Um, although, to, I guess to Amazon's credit, uh, although we can't be sure, I think they're probably losing some money on Kindle Unlimited. Um, I don't have any evidence of that. It's just that looking at how other how many others have tried this business model and closed up shop or had to put restrictions on it somehow. It just seems like as as is Amazon's want, they're building for a future that's yet to come. And so they're willing to take yeah. a loss until that time. Yeah. To aggregate the the market or to or to establish um you know their their to be kind of the the, the big fish in a small pond knowing that they're gonna expand that yeah. pond or connect that pond to somewhere else later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, uh, that's, that's Amazon. But let me talk up for, for a second, Jane, you said something um, that I, I, I wanted to, to get to. You, you said, you know, that there's these articles you read today about print is, is back. Um, Publishers weekly and a couple of the others uh, talk about how the, the, the publishing market is, is actually bigger now than, than it's ever been. We've seen, Basically, the the plateauing of uh, of ebooks, and maybe we found kind of an equilibrium, uh, the 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 perfect mix between print and, and ebooks. Can you just talk about um, from from a, a publisher's point of, of view what the market looks like today? Well, for traditional publishers, they have seen print sales basically. I don't want to say stabilized um, because, in fact. In some cases, they're on the decline, depending on what category you look at. 
but certainly print is more robust than the ebook sales have been over the last few years. So we're seeing, I don't know, I would say about a 75-25 split between print and ebook. Um, mm-hmm. In many cases, publishers' digital sales have been kept afloat in part by the surge in audiobook sales, digital audio. Yeah. Right. So that's that's another dynamic that's playing out alongside all of this. Um, what's what's so strange about the print is back phenomenon? Uh, like what generally it's a celebration, right? The publishers are happy to see those people who love independent bookstores like seeing these stories. But it's again the what it largely speaks to is Amazon taking more market share. Um, they're selling more print. We don't we don't see print sales growing through Barnes and Noble. We do not see print sales growing through mass merchandisers like Walmart and Target. Um, we see print sales growing through online retail. So that generally is not the greatest news for traditional publishers because again, it just puts more power into Amazon's yeah. hands. So that's I, th- I think. And then there's the the other story that often does not get told, um, the so-called dark publishing activity, which we've discussed, you know, the, all of the activity happening through Kindle Unlimited, through Amazon's own publishing imprints, in the self-publishing market generally, that is not getting counted when you see these articles about print is back. So there's a lot of conjecture because there aren't very good stats on the publishing industry. But there's a lot of conjecture that if you if you put together the traditional numbers that we have some confidence about, and then you put together some of the speculation that comes out of a study called author earnings, which just looks at what's happening on Amazon, where most of the self-publishing activity is. If you try and meld those two data sets together, it shows that you know the ebook market share is is migrating away from traditional over to self-publishing. And so it's if ebook sales are declining on traditional, it's then mainly because authors have taken it away from them, the independent authors, right? And, and Amazon itself. Um, so again, that's not a good story for traditional publishers, even though it's done that way by, uh, usually by mainstream media outlets. That uh, that speaks to um, kind of a, a little soundbite that I, I usually um whenever I'm, I'm trying to give um, authors just kind of a, a, a handle on what publishing looks like today. One of my little sound bites is that it's, it's a paradox that there is more money in publishing now than ever before, and yet the margins are thinner than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it certainly feels that way. Um, it, it, you know, Sometimes it's said that publishing is a dozen different industries that we talk about very collectively. So like um, there's trade publishing, like the New York houses, and then there's K through 12, and then higher education and professional publishing, uh, children's publishing, self-publishing. And all of them have different margins. All of them have slightly different concerns. But... um, I would say if you look right now at higher education publishing like Pearson, which is, I believe, the biggest publisher in the world by the last measurement, um, their profits and revenues have dropped precipitously because of the squeeze 
in that market. Like you just do not see the same rate of textbook sales that we that that we had, say, even 10 years ago. And in fact, I've had many colleagues who have worked for companies like Pearson who are now out of jobs, and they don't think that these sales are coming back. Um, so yeah, the, there's there's some really dramatic shifts that are happening in some segments of the publishing industry. Something that's happening in traditional publishing with New York publishing, we're starting to see this strange phenomenon where there isn't really a blockbuster fiction hit every year. Um, so like the last big title that everyone was talking about, I think was Gone Girl, if I remember correctly. But right now you don't have a novel that has that sort of market penetration where everyone has heard of it, even if they haven't read it. Uh, it's hard for people to name a novel that's been big in the last year that's not part of an established series or, you know, like the latest John Grisham or something. So this also raises the question of, well, what's what's happening here? Because those blockbusters are really important to publishers' performance. And they tend to prop up, you know, a lot of the titles that never never reach the sales that they were supposed to. Yeah, that actually brings to, to mind um, a book I, I read a few years ago, um, What Would Google Do? And the, the author said, you know, we we are leaving the time or left the, the time where we had um, we had massed markets. Um, and I think it, unless I'm, I'm mixing up uh, an example or, or I think this was him. He said, so, for example, um, you know, just a generation ago, we only had a, a handful of, of TV shows and everybody in, in the United States all shared in in this TV show. So everybody knew I Love Lucy. Everybody knew uh, Leave it to Beaver. There are only a handful. Well, now, um, you know, two people can live in, in the same household. I mean, this is an example of my wife and me. We watch completely um, different shows. Sometimes we'll watch the, the same show. But I've got, you know, kind of my shows and the things that I like to to um to, to keep up with and she's got hers. So even living under the same roof, we're not even yeah. um sharing some of those common experiences. And so he was pointing to mm-hmm. the fact that we're coming into an economy or, or an age where instead of a mass market, we're gonna have um mass niches. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a, a um that that huge market is going to be um, sliced up into these people over here, this market over here, that segment over here. And that's what I hear you you, you saying. So not only um, is that happening in in the format where we're talking about audio versus uh, ebook versus uh, versus print, but that's also happening in... um, in uh, the categories as as well. So instead of there being, you know, one huge blockbuster um, that everybody reads, uh, the blockbusters are much more modest. um, And there are fewer people reading the same book, more people reading diverse books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree that there's there's a splintering that's happening and i think it applies to all media so books certainly aren't the only ones feeling the effects of this um so yeah it'll be fascinating it puts a lot of pressure on publishers to be better at 
direct-to-consumer marketing, which traditionally they have not been that good at. No, <laughs> no, that is uh, that's not that's not been their their model at at all. Yeah, it's a it's a complete reinvention. So, Jane, just in the last couple of minutes of of your time, your precious time um, that I'm I'm going to take. Um, if you could uh, speak to to authors or, or would be authors, people who are just kind of getting into uh, into this whole new journey, um, in addition to all the great advice and tips and insights that you provided, what would you like to to leave them with? I would look at each book project as having to have its own business model. So every book that I've done had a different model associated with it, a different purpose, as we talked about earlier. And I knew very specifically what I wanted to get out of it and how I was going to profit from it, either from direct sales or, or some something ancillary. So every book that you approach, think, think about it in terms of its own mini business with its own model. I think that it's, it's important to take responsibility for what that model is and then be in control and make very informed decisions about who you're going to partner with, if anyone, and then what that model looks like once executed, because it affects everything down the line from how much you spend on the product design, you know, the editing and the cover and so on, and how, how you price it, whether you make it available for free and how long you're going to keep marketing it. If it's just going to be a flash in the pan or if it's something that's going to be a foundational to your to other things that you're going to be doing. Yeah, I think um, I think that pretty much sums it up. That's the. Um... <laughs> you know, for a, for a wordsmith, I um, I often struggle to uh, to to grab the the right words, and I think that's because um, for people like us, uh, we we read so much and we have so many words floating around in our head that it's it's difficult to to grab mm -hmm. onto the uh, the right ones um but that's um i think that that's probably fundamental that's the word that i was looking for that's the fundamental approach uh that um that authors have to take is to step back and figure out even before you jump into to creating something to figure out why you're creating it then to figure out how you're going to use it as a as a as a product or or as a um as a tool and then to build the model around it and then build um then create the the product or the 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 piece that is going to align and, and fulfill with the things that you um that you've outlined i think that that's a great way to to put it jane thank you so much for your time today really appreciate your uh, your insights and your your expertise on uh, on publishing today it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Derek. All right, and everybody, that's uh, Jane Friedman. And uh, March 2018, her book, the, the Business of Being a Writer, comes out from the University of, of Chicago Press. I'm uh, going to go see if I can place uh, a pre-order for it right now. <laughs> Thanks again, Jane. Thank you.